Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Licks Bryant. (laughs) And Jerry's over there, and this is Stuff You Should Know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame edition. Ta-da. Or as... Was it Skinner that said rock and or roll? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> it's a good one. I'm glad you said that because every time we walk past something one of the Simpsons characters said in mm-hmm. their 900 million seasons, somebody mm-hmm. writes and is like, how could you possibly not say this, you dummies? I know. Remember that time we got to go to a Simpsons table read, uh-huh. a.k.a. Probably second or third best day of either one of our lives. Yes, absolutely. That's always what I respond back with. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Were you at the table read we were at? When we met Matt Groening and he drew Simpsons characters on our autograph scripts. (laughs) Yes, which I still have. I don't don't know if you still have yours. I still have mine. Kidding me? Of course. (laughs) Yes, I am kidding you. No, I tossed it. So you're like, I don't have room for this. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, Chuck, we are talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame today. We've already talked about The Simpsons on an official episode before. Two of them, actually. This Mm -hmm. one's a little different. This is about rock and roll, the musical genre, which is way more encompassing than a lot of people would like to admit, it turns out. Yeah, we'll get into that. There's a lot there. We definitely (laughs) will. It it smacks a lot of our, remember our disco episode? Yeah. Smacks a lot of that. And I, I know we've talked about this. I don't think you've been, have you, to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No, I haven't, actually. I'm sorry, Cleveland. I'm sorry, everybody settle down. <laughs> I have not I have not been yet, no. And I actually have to say, I, I don't know that I care to. I know that there are plenty of people out there who love, would love to go to that and should. But for mm-hmm. me personally, I just, I don't care. Yeah, it's not your kind of place, really. <laughs> No, it's not. It's not meant for losers like me. No, I don't think that's it. It's it's meant for losers like me. <laughs> uh, I went. You know, my family or Emily's family is from Akron, and so we, when they were all living there, we spent Christmases there and yeah. other holidays there. Yeah. So we did all the Cleveland things, and this was one of them. And um, definitely, it's I, definitely one of the Cleveland things to do for sure. It's one of the Cleveland things. Um, it's a place that I want to go back to. I love this in the in the museum in Seattle, like uh, the Pop Culture Museum. I can't remember what it's called. What's mm. it called? The Museum of Popular Culture. Well, some, yeah, and there's but there's more, and then they there's <laughs> dot, another dot, shorter dot. name. <laughs> but I I love standing and looking at uh, the the original <clears throat> pad of paper. Sure. Where the original lyrics to Purple Haze are written. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. I like listening to Purple Haze. I couldn't yeah, care less care about, about the piece of paper that it was originally written on. Like, I get what people are getting out of this. It just doesn't hit me that way. No, I hear you. I had a bunch of other things I was going to say I love, but are you going to say you don't love them after every one of them? Let's, let's find out. <laughs> I love looking at the outfit that Bruce Springsteen wore on the Born in the USA cover right in front of me. I love looking at... I could see how you would like that. (laughs) I don't care about that outfit, Chuck. What else? I love standing in front of Prince's tiny little purple jumpsuit. Okay, I'm with you on that. Or that cool guitar. Or Mick Jagger's uh, tiny little uh, 10-year-old boy-sized jeans. Oh, really? Or or leather pants. So small. They're all so small. I thought Mick Jagger was, you know... 
Not no. pint size, really? Okay. I knew Prince they're, they're was, was small. small, but I didn't know that Mick Jagger was as well. That's And we've talked about this. That's why they learn to be musicians, because they can't, they're trying to get girls. Well, Prince was a great basketball player, too. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about Mick Jagger, but he was. Chappelle show. <laughs> yes, it's true, though. The, he he played basketball in high school, too. Oh, man. Yeah, no, he, he for his size, he was a good athlete, I think. But uh, the point <laughs> is, I really, really love seeing that stuff. In Seattle, I love seeing Kurt Cobain's striped sweater from the video and the broken drumsticks of Dave Grohl and and Chris Cornell's uh, Gibson guitar. Like, I loved knowing that that's, and this is not just rock and roll memorabilia. Like, I like any museum where I'm like, oh, that's the real thing. That's the Declaration of Independence I'm looking at. Yeah. It's not a copy. That's right. the one. Yeah. Um, I really get a lot out of seeing the thing in person. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has a lot of things to look at in person. So I don't want to come off like some rube who doesn't care about museums. Like, I care deeply about museums. It's just some, like, pop culture memorabilia yeah, doesn't get doesn't me. do it for It's you. as simple as that. I think we've established that. Okay, but I just don't want people to be like, Josh doesn't like museums? What a dummy. No, we know you like museums. You got engaged in a museum. You like museums so much. That's absolutely true. Thanks for that. I appreciate the backup, Chuck. Yeah, and you like, like, you'll see... Uh, uh, the scream and a million art websites and art history books, but to stand in front of the scream sure. is a different thing. Yeah. Because it's the real thing. All right, let's talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame itself, shall we? Yes. I think we should start talking first about this because this really kind of summarizes a lot of, some people hate the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, not just because they're not into <laughs> pop culture museums, but they hate the idea and they think it the least rock and roll thing you can do is vote people into a Hall of Fame. Yeah, which is a real criticism of it. And it's really something that, um, from what I've read, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, this the Rock Hall, the people who are in the know, um, have, has never fully figured out how to, how to deal with that paradox. Because it is a paradox. Like, to take, like, what is rock and roll, which is, you know, like, in your face, your parents hate it. Um, it's, it's like, it doesn't follow the rules. And then just, like, put it behind incredibly expensive, like, recessed lighting with and protecting yeah. it with plexiglass and all that. That is the opposite of that. And they've just, they just had to move forward as a paradox, basically. Yeah. And I should point out, too, that my love for this stuff is, like, it doesn't have to be behind glass. Like, I love being in, I'm going to Woodstock, New York in November, and I'm going to drive mm -hmm. by Big Pink, where Bob Dylan and the band lived. And I like being at the places where the things really existed. I, there's an energy to it, I think. I get um, why you're going to drive by that house, but I don't care about that. <laughs> you got to stop. <laughs> uh, but this all comes back to Johnny Rotten, uh, the leader of the Sex Pistols. Yeah. When they were inducted, he wrote, uh, scribbled out on a piece of paper, didn't go, obviously. And he said, next to the Sex Pistols, rock and roll in that Hall of Fame is a piss stain. <laughs> Your museum, urine, and wine. We're not coming. We're not your monkeys, and so what? That was a, that was a great read. <laughs> so that's sort of the thing, though. That is how some people feel. But to me, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is rock and roll because they read that on stage mm -hmm. rather than just burying it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, like, like, that's rock and roll. Yeah. And, I mean, it's had such an enormous impact on world culture, on human culture, that— like, of course it deserves a museum. And then if you're going to 
do like a world-class museum, there's just certain things you have to do. And yes, that doesn't fit with rock and roll, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a rock and roll museum. It's just like, yeah, we took this rock and roll stuff and put it under plexiglass, and that's just what you do when you create a museum. That's right. Uh, We'll talk about more of that stuff later, but let's talk about the history, shall we? Yeah, because the whole thing opened up on September of 1995, but it had been brewing since the early 80s, I think, thanks to a dude named Amit Erdogan. Er Erdogan? I think it's Erdogan. Ah, I got it the first time, and then I doubted myself, but I still got (laughs) it. That's the point. That's right. So Erdogan was the uh, co-founder of Atlantic Records, um, the biggest name in records in sort of at a certain time. I mean, there, it's a still couple a thing, of certain but, times, huh? Yeah, a couple of certain times. He was the son of a um, a Turkish ambassador, but loved music. Uh, co-founded Atlantic and with uh, Jerry Wexler and started out in the R and B game. Yeah, dude, they signed. The Drifters, Ray Charles, Aretha Franklin, all of whom were, like, unknown at the time. So that alone is, like, worth celebrating. Like, that's an amazing record label just to start. And then in the 60s, they shifted over to rock um, and signed Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones and Cream. And um, so just these two incarnations over two decades— um, kind of put Atlantic on the map. And I think, like you said, it kept going, right? Like, is, is Atlantic oh, yeah. still around? Oh, it's got to be. I mean, it's probably owned by Disney or something. But Sure, sure. But it's a storied record label, and for good reason. That's right. And so he first hatched the idea of having a museum and a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he was like, well, of course, it'll be in New York City, uh, because that's just where you do it. Uh, <laughs> what he didn't know was that uh, there were these businessmen in Cleveland, Ohio, mm-hmm. that were already planning their own Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. Yes. And when uh, Emmett Erdogan heard that, he shuddered. <laughs> I was like, all right, why Cleveland? And they said, well, hold on. Like, Cleveland actually has a lot of claim to rock and roll cred. For one, the, the local DJ, Alan Freed, is widely considered as the person who coined the term rock and roll. That guy came up with it, and he was a Cleveland DJ. And Erdogan said, okay, I'm listening. What else you got? <laughs> And he said, well, you know, it was a very, the radio station, uh, WJW, that Freed DJed at, broke a lot of big acts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of had to make it in Cleveland. Not had to, but making it in Cleveland could break you. Uh, yeah. David Bowie was broke there. Yeah. Uh, Rush, and we got to thank Dave Ruse for putting this together. Mm-hmm. And I also want to thank Dave Ruse for saying Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. Now that you say, I know it's a typo, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're listening, but it was fun to read Bruce he's Springsteen. Like, he's like, no, I, I mean the much less known Bruce right. Springsteen. <laughs> uh, Joe Walsh is from Cleveland. Trent Reznor's from Cleveland, oh, Ohio. Uh, you know, I've talked about before in Emily's hometown of Akron. Uh, her high school, Firestone, is where Devo was from, and Chrissy Hind oh, and Black Keys. Yeah. Like, that's a heck of a roster to come out of a single high school. Yes, plus also, like, um, even back long before Devo was around, that same guy, Alan Freed, the DJ, he uh, he organized and hosted what's also considered the first rock and roll show, the Moondog Coronation Ball, way back in 1952. Whoa. So, and we've talked about it before. I could not figure out what we've talked about. The that. Coronation Ball? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. We've, we've definitely yeah. covered it. I'm almost positive. Anyway, yes, so Cleveland has, like, some rock and roll cred, so it would make sense that they would be considering a rock and roll Hall of Fame, and it would also make sense that uh, Erdogan and, and the rest of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Foundation said, okay, we'll we'll think about this. They were skeptical at first, but then they said, how about this? We'll open this whole thing up to voting as to where the, the site should be, um, and we'll say Cleveland's one of a number of different cities, Memphis, New Orleans, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and of course, New York, which everybody knows New York is going to win. And just whoever gets the most votes will will say that's the city that gets the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, I get the feeling it was that. It was like, hey, we know we're going to put it in New York, but this will drum up a lot of publicity, mm-hmm. get everyone excited all around the country, <clears> even <throat> though they're going to lose. But I think he underestimated two things. The... Uh, the passion of Midwesterners and the, the pride of Clevelanders and Ohioans to put their their city on the map a little bit more than it even was then, mm-hmm. and the disinterest of your average New Yorker <laughs> to take place in a poll or a vote right. or a petition or a uh, to sign their name on something. Yeah. <laughs> and don't forget, this was around the time of Balloon Fest 86. So, like, Cleveland <laughs> yeah, was really trying. They were trying to find something that, that let the world know Cleveland was great. So, they actually collected 650,000 signatures, which was more than the population of Cleveland at the time. They got a lot of people uh, behind this idea. Um, and I guess USA Today ran a poll in January of 1986, right? And they, they said, okay, which of these cities should the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame be in? That's right. And I'm sure they had a colorful graph mm-hmm. to declare Cleveland the winner by a landslide, 110,000 votes in first place. Second place went to Memphis with 7,200. So Cleveland, they know how to get people motivated uh, for civic pride, I will say that. Yes, but the thing that probably really got the foundation's attention was that Cleveland also simultaneously raised $26 million for the museum to basically yeah. say, hey, we're we're quite serious about this. And it would turn out later that the whole thing cost about $100 million, but Cleveland footed the bill for the whole thing. Yeah. So it was actually, as we'll see, a pretty good choice. Um and finally, in 1986, it was announced that, okay, fine, yes, it will be in Cleveland. That's right. Uh, but they did not wait for the building to be built to have their first Hall of Fame class uh, voted on and inducted. They did that in 1986 in New York City. Uh, Chuck Berry, James Brown, Ray Charles, Sam Cooke, Fats Domino, the Everly Brothers, Buddy Holly, Jerry Lee Lewis, Elvis, and Little Richard. And then on the non-performance side, you had Sam Phillips and Alan Freed, uh, you had early influencers Jimmy Rogers and Jimmy Yancey, and the lifetime achievement that year went to John Hammond, uh, who it didn't look up, but that's got to be the Hammond organ yeah. guy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So um, there was this great quote that Dave found that really kind of got across, like even at the outset of the criticism of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, it said that um, rock and roll is now so middle class it was accorded a most civilized honor. It was given a dinner for uh, <laughs> when writing about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame first class induction in 1986. You know that uh, that reporter was like, huh, right after they typed it. <laughs> yes. I'm God, so that, self-satisfied right oh, now. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to take a break now, and we're going to talk about uh, the building itself mm-hmm. and how you get in that thing besides paying money to buy a ticket right after this. 
So, Chuck, everywhere I've read is that you have to show that you've signed your name in blood in the book of Satan to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame <laughs> and pay $30. Yeah, right. <laughs> is it still 30 bucks? I didn't look that up. Uh, I believe, yes. I think Sounds it about is. right. Yes. And they have different stuff, too. Like, uh, like any museum, they'll have temporary exhibits. So if you've been once, uh, don't think you can't go again. <laughs> right. They'll let you back in, especially if you're willing to pay another $30. Yeah, and you'll see new stuff. But supposedly, um, you should not expect to see everything in an hour or even two um, and really be able to soak it in. Like, I've read that you can zip through the museum in maybe two and a half hours, but you're not getting yeah. that much out of it. It depends on how much you want to read the placards <laughs> and stare at, at uh, Jimi Hendrix's uh, purple haze lyrics. Well, yeah, and there's also lots and lots of videos and archival footage and stuff like mm-hmm. that that you can really add That's a cool. lot to your visit to to sit and watch and listen to. That's right. Uh, so when they went to build the building, uh, they enlisted the services of one I M Pay. Is it Pay or Pay? Pay. I am Pay. pay. Um, the architect who just happened to uh, design the expansion of the Louvre, which didn't even take that long. It didn't? Isn't that the second time I've referenced Seinf- that same Seinfeld thing in the last few weeks? <laughs> no. Remember when George pretended to be an architect? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and they said he designed the new thing in the Guggenheim, and he went, didn't really even take that long. <laughs> yeah, I do. I don't remember you referencing it I, again. It, or I've referenced it recently. I thought it was to you, but it's hard to tell real life from— I'm totally with you, man. —these chats mm-hmm. these days. Uh, but yeah, so he, you know, I am uh, Pay had a great resume— uh, designed that glass pyramid at the Louvre and uh, went to a few concerts to sort of, you know, get the the gist of what this whole rock and roll thing was all about. Yeah, and apparently um, he was on acid with Lou Reed at the Bon Jovi show at the Meadowlands. And when he wow. stood up and he said, I've got it. Another triangle is what I'm going to do. Another pyramid. <laughs> Another pyramid. And he did. Uh, it was a, it's a, a pretty iconic building in and of itself. Um, and the pyramid, though, if you hear that he also did the pyramid at the Louvre, you're like, oh, come on, there's other shapes. Um, right. <laughs> but this one is meant to evoke, uh, especially if you look at the the logo or the letterhead for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, they have a pyramid in that. And you see very clearly that that's meant to evoke a guitar neck vanishing off into the distance. Like you're looking up the neck of a guitar from the body. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a couple of th- cool things about it. it. There's also this central tower, and then in front of it, a big 65,000-square-foot um, circular plaza. And if you look from above, um, it's really neat. You can look at a picture of it. It looks like a record. Uh, and then on that plaza, there's like the arm of the record player and the needle. Uh, and it looks like a turntable, which is really cool. Yeah, it is very cool. So, and it's also I'm like... It's a very literal building as far as, like, what it's supposed to look like goes. But it's also enormous and very nice. It's one of those things where if you research the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you either come across Cleveland.com articles, um, rock music um, uh, journalism articles, or architectural articles. Those are the three (laughs) groups that basically lay claim to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And and you're like, I'd fly over it, but I'm not going in. It's not I'll that I wouldn't go ride. in. I don't. I would. I would go in. I just wouldn't get as much out of it as you. 
Oh, okay. All right, we're we're getting places. Yeah, it's not like I'm, I, and I certainly don't begrudge anybody going. I'm I'm just saying I won't get as much out of it as you will. It, it's not what like I, I don't understand way? it. I guess what I'm trying to say is, let me see if I can put it in different terms. I just I just don't care. Oh, I know. That's not true. I care. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna crack this code by the end. Okay. Uh, so they broke ground in 1993, uh-huh. uh, opened in 95 with a six-hour concert. I at, saw seven um, and a half. Oh, well, Springsteen was involved. <laughs> <laughs> he, did. he did it again. <laughs> there it is again. Did he really? Dave did it Oh, my twice. gosh, he did. Dave, I'm starting to think that Bruce, Dave doesn't know. It's Bruce Springsteen, <laughs> two E's. Oh, that's no typo, because I see other E's, like his E button isn't broken. No, it's true. There's one that comes right before the I in Bruce Springsteen. I can't wait to get his email Oh, man, this. I can't either. Uh, so they had that concert at Cleveland uh, Muni Stadium mm-hmm. uh, with Chuck Berry, and uh, who was still around, played with Springsteen and Johnny Cash <laughs> and Johnny Coogs, uh, Aretha, Al Green, mm-hmm. Lou Reed. It was quite an event. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... I guess we should talk about how you get in because this is where it takes on a lot of heat. Um, Some people say there should be no such thing because rock and roll shouldn't be in a museum. But then other people say the, like the voting process and the vagueness of qualifications to be considered are just weird. And it's a popularity contest Mm -hmm. and it's gotten a lot of criticism over the years because basically you have to be, uh, at least 25 years out from your debut album. Mm-hmm. And you need to have demonstrated unquestionable musical uh, excellence. That's it. And that's all. Yeah. Which is not, it's not really great guidance, but it is kind of rock if you think about it. It's kind of rock it and roll. It has to be that way, I think. You know? Um, but yeah, that definitely is so subjective that of course it's opened up to, you know, accusations of favoritism, sexism. Which sure. which definitely seems to be legit. Only eight percent of the inductees in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are women, and there's definitely way more than eight percent of women rockers or women contributors to rock and roll. So, mm-hmm. um, it, it's not that these these allegations or suggestions are just totally off base necessarily. Um, they 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 may be quite accurate. Yeah, I mean, here's my deal. I kind of think it has to be that vague because they would they would get probably more complaints if it was a numbers if there was an algorithm like you need to have had this many number one singles, mm-hmm. won this many Grammys, which are also subjective by the way. Um, I don't think it can be based on record sales, right? Like it'd be weird to design an algorithm. I think it has to be kind of vague. Uh, to me, it's a it's an award of longevity in a way. Uh, which I do like because, you know, 25 years on, unless you died young, you can still get in like Buddy Holly, obviously, and people that died young. But you can't have a record that came out 25 years ago and still be a performer who is not very popular and get in. You know what I mean? Yeah, like no you've got Starling to have vocal the test. band or anything in there. <laughs> yeah, you have to have withstood the test of time. And it's easy to poo-poo this stuff, but like, Dude, if there's ever a podcasting Hall of Fame, you bet your sweet butt I want us to be in there. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we'll be standing at our our own little display with the mm-hmm. microphones and our headphones. And I'll be like, 
I don't care about the microphone and our headphone. And ever and most people will be going, who are those guys? Right, right. No, I've seen that logo, but who are they? You'll find me hanging out at the display being like, this one's pretty great, huh? Hey, I'm Josh right. Clark. It's good to meet you. Thanks for coming. Uh, so, yeah, the vagaries around induction has definitely been a criticism. Uh, they come up with a – the staff comes up with a list of nominees each year. Uh, they send that out to – a thousand musicians and members of the record industry, historians, music historians, and then they vote for the top picks. Right. And then if you receive at least 50% of the vote, which is 500 votes, then you are inducted. And that's usually between five and seven performers each year. Right. And so the induction process is basically like a museum, the museum version of the hundred greatest bands of all time, hundred greatest albums of all time, and <laughs> all of. of like the arguments that that starts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. basically the voting and induction process every single year. Why is this person on this list? Why isn't this uh-huh. person on this list? Yep. Why haven't you inducted this person? This doesn't even count as that kind of music. Uh-huh. That is that's the induction process yeah. every single year, and everybody's yes. right. Yeah, and I think the Hall of Fame itself is kind of like, I don't think they're trying to solve that anymore. I think they're just like, yeah, that's just comes with the territory yeah. and stick it in your butt that's if you don't like it. <laughs> probably the the wisest thing they could do is approach it from that way. Uh, there is a fan vote now, which is great. Um, I don't know if they've always had it, but uh, you can vote online and pick your top five. And the winner of the fan vote is on a fan ballot. And I believe that kind of changed things because, you know, bands like Rush and Cheap Trick finally getting in the last couple of years. Oh, yeah. There were a couple of the big ones where people were like, why are they not in there? Like, they huh. might, may not be the most popular band across all demographics, but, like, they have some of the most devoted fan bases and have been doing it for, you know, 30 years. Yeah. No, there's tons and tons of people that you can say, like, why aren't they in there? Um yeah, for sure. But I don't know that the fan vote is actually having much of an impact because I saw that it's added to the other thousand votes. Like all of the fan yeah. tallies adds up to one extra vote total. Right. It's not like they can vote in people. No. I, and yeah. I, I learned that from Dee Snyder, who we were actually on a TV set with at the same time, the lead singer totally of um, Twisted that. Sister. He yeah, was, we met him. He, yeah, he's a great guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to rally the public to support Iron Maiden this past year, and Maiden got passed up, which is, agreed, ridiculous. But apparently metal acts, like, are just routinely snubbed by the Rock and yeah. Roll Hall of Fame, so much so that you would probably be like, what is going on? Why do you not like metal? Right. Metal is definitely rock and roll for sure. Yeah, I mean— yeah, we'll we'll get to more of that later because it is very strange that Judas Priest is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Sure. Uh, they also hand out other awards. The Ahmed Erdogan Award. Um, it was the Lifetime Achievement Award originally, and this is for non-performers who've had a major influence on the development of rock and roll. So we're talking uh, Brian Epstein, not <laughs> Brian Epstein. I think it is Epstein. Uh, managed the Beatles. Uh, Dick Clark is in, Lou Adler, uh, Leo Fender, Phil Spector, people like that. Yeah. There's also the Early Influence Award, which is basically like, you're not rock and roll, but you definitely influenced a lot of people who play rock and roll. So people get inducted in that way, like Woody Guthrie. Definitely Mm -hmm. not a rocker, but he certainly did um, 
he influenced, say, like Bob Dylan, who's considered a rocker. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. a good way to get in is to just travel in time, release a bunch of records in the 1920s, and sit back <laughs> and wait for your induction after your long day. Uh, Louis Armstrong, Billy Holiday, Robert Johnson, our own Les Paul. Mm-hmm. Our own Les Paul, like we own him. <laughs> He's with us. Uh, then there's the award for musical excellence. This is to artists and musicians and songwriters and producers whose originality and influence creating music have had a dramatic impact. Uh, only 22. They don't do this every year. Um, Ringo Starr, Leon Russell, Nile Rodgers, mm-hmm. uh, the E Street Band without Bruce, mm-hmm. Springsteen. Nile Rodgers is in there. He was. I was reading yeah. about him. He's had Dude, one of the most amazing, amazing careers of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he just did Chic alone. Yeah. That would be fine. Yep. But he's got, you know, that was just a small part of his career. Yes, it was. I mean, the most recent thing he did was win three Grammys for working with Daft Punk on um, their most recent album. I guess their last album. There you go. So there's some things about being inducted um, that are kind of anomalous and interesting in, in that, like, you can be inducted more than once in different capacities, right? Yeah. Yeah, if you're a solo <clears throat> performer and you're in a band, like Stevie Nicks is the only woman to be inducted two times as Ro- a solo performer oh, okay. and as a member of Fleetwood Mac. No, Tina Tina was um, inducted twice and so was Carol King. Well, they are being inducted this year, so technically uh, okay, they've I got, got two more weeks before. Uh, I should have known better, Chuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think known. October 30th is, uh, so Carol King was in there as a songwriter, I guess? Yeah, I believe so. And Tina with, with Ike and Tina? Yeah. It had to be. Yes. Can you believe it? They inducted her with Ike before they inducted her as her solo career. Give me a break. I, I believe that chronologically. But it doesn't have to go chrono- chronologically. It says nothing about chronological order. But, well, let me ask you this. When you think Tina Turner, do you think Rolling on the River? No. Or do you think Private Dancer? Private Dancer. Okay. <laughs> you think Sexy Sweaty Saxophone? Yes. Solos? Yes. <laughs> yeah, totally. All right, fair enough. I'm thinking uh, about one right now. Which is why she's in there twice. Uh, Eric Clapton's in there three times. Not once, not twice, but thrice. Obviously, uh, Yardbirds, Cream, and as a solo guy, all the Beatles are in twice. Yeah, all it's, they're the only band all inducted as solo artists. Yeah, I can't think of another band that might hit that mark. Um, uh, um, uh, I can't either. Because not many people go in to be just as big as a solo performer. No, it's very rare, for sure. Yeah, um, And I think it's nice that they gave Ringo his own, too, in 2017. That was great. That was a very nice ceremony. I watch it every year. Uh, oh, really? The ceremonies. Oh, sure. I, I love it. Cute. It's it's fun because, you know, they induct the people. Someone who loves that person is inducting them. So that's always great. Mm-hmm. And it's always, you know, like uh, somebody you might not expect, like uh, Harry Styles inducted Stevie Nicks. And like, I didn't even know Harry Styles liked Stevie Nicks. And it turns out he loves Stevie Nicks. Hmm. So it's stuff like that, and then they they give their speech, which is great, or a complete uh, disaster, which is also fun. So this is from Amanda Petrusis, Petrusic, sorry, Amanda, um, from The New Yorker back in 2017. And she said, the televised ceremony proceeded about as expected. Gentlemen with exacting hairstyles wore sunglasses inside, hugged each other reluctantly, and squinted at a teleprompter. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you just took me there to the induction. Well, what's funny is some of these, some of the speeches are really nice and awesome. Uh, and then some of them are, uh, some people are like, 
up there with bands that they broke up with and like they hated each other. Yeah, like oh my god, have you seen the acceptance speech for Blondie? I know I saw it live, but I don't remember what was what 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 happened. Blondie wouldn't let like three or four of the original members play at the ceremony. Debbie Harry wouldn't. No, she, yes, uh, sorry, Debbie Harry would not. And oh, wow. one of the original guys begged her on the microphone during his speech, and she said no and kept saying no and was like, no, we're not, no, you're not playing tonight. Really? And um, it was really deeply uncomfortable. Fifteen years later, watching it on YouTube, I was like, I'm going to throw <laughs> up. I'm so, so uncomfortable right now. Well, you know, sometimes people don't show up. Like Paul McCartney didn't show up for the Beatles induction because what? Uh, supposedly he was in a lawsuit at the time with Yoko and Ringo. Uh-huh about something um the talking heads managed to get it together and play together like that's the other thing you know that's where i was headed you have your speech and then you play Mm -hmm. together Mm -hmm. usually as the original band sometimes if it's like like journey you know steve perry didn't sing but he gave his blessing for the new guy to sing sometimes they'll have both like you know, Guns N' Roses will have the two drummers there, and they'll take turns. Oh, yeah, uh, mid-song. Even though Axel wasn't there. No, not mid-song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then sometimes people can't get it together at all, and they're just like, no, we hate each other. We're not playing. We're not showing up. Um, sometimes Mike Love will get up there as a member of the Beach Boys and be a crazy freak. Uh, just watch his speech if you want to see something okay. very deeply uncomfortable. Okay, I can't wait. He, like, flat-out challenged people on stage. He just got really salty, like, halfway through, and he's like, I'd love to see I'd love to see the mop tops, the Beatles, get up and do 180 shows a year. Or I'd like to see Mick Jagger get up on stage and do what I do. And <laughs> it was just I – and mean, he's a legendary jerk, but it was, uh, it was really something else. Wow, he does not live uh, up to his last name. <laughs> but to me, that's sort of the fun of watching the ceremony is all these really deeply personal relationships – of these people that are suddenly thrust back together mm-hmm. uh, and do they work it out and are they amicable and cool or not? Uh, Bunny Carlos played with Cheap Trick, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Their drummer that left. Um, but sometimes like Axl Rose in a full on legally statement <laughs> that not only didn't say like, I don't want to come, but he was like, no one is allowed to induct me. No one is allowed to speak for me. I think we have to read it, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> read it. It's pretty great. <clears throat> this was from Axl Rose. I strongly request that I not be inducted in absentia, and please know that no one is authorized, nor may anyone be permitted to accept any induction for me or speak on my behalf. Neither (laughs) former members, label representatives, nor the Uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame should imply, whether directly, indirectly, or by omission, that I am included in any purported induction of Guns N' Roses. (laughs) Oh, man. He really didn't want to take part. And yet they got back together and are playing again and seemingly enjoying themselves. What's his problem with uh, Guns N' Roses? I mean, I knew they broke up or whatever, but why does he, like, hate Slash or what's the problem? Oh, yeah, he and Slash had problems and uh, I don't know. They worked it all out, but They hugged it out. Who knows what goes on behind these closed uh, green room doors, you know? Sure. Wasn't that the song? Mm. No one knows what goes on behind green room doors? I think, is that a Bob Seger song? (laughs) I think so. Maybe we should take a break. All right, let's do that. All right, we'll be right back. We're going to wrap this thing up. All right. 
should we talk about some of the famous snubs? Yes, definitely. We can just do that for the rest of the, the show. Well, I mean, I'm looking at the list. I'm going to go ahead and throw out Alice in Chains and uh, Big Star. Like throw them out like you don't include them? Throw them out like they should be in and they're not. <laughs> I get you. How about, wait for this one, uh, Dick Dale. Oh, that's just nuts. That's, we Dick talked Dale about that in the, um, in the so, yeah. Gibson Fender episode. How about the Smiths or MC5? I know. I mean, it gets it gets weird. It's like Husker Du to me belongs in there, sure. but like they were a very small band. NXS was a huge band. Jane's Addiction's not in there. Jane's Addiction not being in there is pretty surprising and and just objectively wrong for sure. I totally agree. Uh, Motorhead, Mot- well, Motley Crue. It gets it's so subjective. It gets so weird because people poo poo stuff like disco and they poo poo stuff like. Uh, like Ozzy Osbourne or metal, like mm-hmm. Ozzy should be in there. Yeah, for sure. But that's, I mean, that's that kind of gets at the heart of of why I a lot so. of people are like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Um, because, like, hip hop acts have started to be inducted into it, starting in 2017 um, or 2007. I'm sorry, with Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Uh, I think one of the the most recent one was Jay Z in 2021. Is that right? He's due, and and we said earlier that it hadn't happened yet. By the time this is out, it will have already. Oh, happened, gotcha. Okay, so he's, he's part due of the, for this year. Part of this class. Okay, Tupac got inducted. I think. What do you What do you think about that? Uh, one more. Fela Kuti was nominated this year, but he didn't make oh, it. Oh, finally. Um, so uh, there's this guy that um, Dave turned up that I think makes a really great case. His name is Troy L. Smith. He works for Cleveland.com, one of the triumvirate of writing about. <laughs> The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And um, he says, look, man, if you are talking about rock and roll, of course it would include hip-hop just as much as it would include, like, alternative or new wave or punk. Like, they're all branching off the same tree because if rock and roll is the trunk, if you go a little further down, the roots of that tree are, like, blues, jazz, gospel, boogie-woogie, doo-wop, mm-hmm. like all this stuff combined to make rock and roll. And if you're saying like rock and roll is just a, a, a white guy with a guitar somewhere between 1967 and 1990, yeah, you're talking specifically about rock. And that's actually different than rock and roll. And this isn't the Rock Hall of Fame. This is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, yeah, you could make a really strong case to include not just hip-hop, but also, like, R&B, um, world music, like Fela Kuti's Afrobeat stuff. Like, th- like all these people were influenced by the same tree. And that's what Troy Smith is saying. And I got to say, I agree with him on that one. I just have mixed feelings. I do agree, but it's... Um, then just call it the Music Hall of Fame, maybe. Yeah, that's what some people suggest. It's weird that, like, Willie Nelson's not in there. Yeah. But, like, another country artist might be. Well, like, Hank Williams is in there, Johnny Cash. Yeah, like, they'll include jazz and now hip-hop, but, like, not metal. It's just, I don't know, man. It it starts to sort of fall apart in a way the more you expand it. Mm -hmm. Because there is a Country Music Hall of Fame. There's probably, I don't know if there's a jazz Hall of Fame, is there? So, somewhere, I, I mean, like, like, should everyone have their own Hall of Fame, like every genre? But then, where do you stop? Is it like, is New Wave a genre? Like, it is, but is it under the more all-inclusive banner of rock and roll? It, it just it gets really like a cat chasing its own tail at some point. So there was this kind of 
a Twitter discussion, which means a flame war, (laughs) between Ice Cube and Gene Simmons from Kiss when NWA was being abducted. Right. Gene Simmons was poo-pooing the whole thing, and uh, Ice Cube was defending it. And Ice Cube had a pretty good point. He said, um, the question is, are we rock and roll? Rock and roll is not an instrument. Rock and roll is not even a style of music. Rock and roll is a spirit. It's not conforming. It's outside the box. And then he finishes with rock and roll is NWA, which I could not have read that more squarely than I did. <laughs> but if you go a little further and read Gene Simmons's retort, too, he's saying, like, yes, he's criticizing hip-hop as not, like, actual music because they sample and they talk rather than sing, so therefore it's not rock. I disagree with that. But he also says, I'll tell you what, when Led Zeppelin gets inducted into the Rap Hall of Fame, then you will have proven your point. And he makes yeah. a good case in that situation as well. But it kind of dovetails in with your idea, like, should each of them, each genre of music, have its own Hall of Fame? I, I don't think so. I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a wide enough umbrella that it includes hip-hop and other stuff that's not rock. Yeah, that's not a great look to say stuff like that either, though. No, I know. And, like, like you know, of course there's allegations of racism and sexism and, and um, homophobism. Is that a word? Sure. Um, Homophobia, I think, more commonly. Of course, dude. (laughs) Of course. But um, Amanda Petrusha, I'm sorry, uh, Amanda. Um, She says that, um, she points out, like, how much this this ties into that same hatred of disco by the same people who are into rock. But at the time when rock was new, these are the same people who... Never aged out of that. It's all rock. It's all white guy with a guitar from 1967 to 1990. That's rock, and that's rock and roll. And that's just not true. That's a type of rock and roll. That's not the all the end-all, be-all of rock and roll. Yes. That's my totally. take on it. I'll stop saying it. I know I've said it at least twice now, but it's just so true. It is. Uh, <laughs> you saw who was coming in this year. I thought that might get you excited. Who? Well, in the in the performer, it's Tina Turner, Carol King, the Go Go's, amazing, uh, Jay Z, Foo Fighters, and Todd Rundgren. Mm-hmm. But the early influence award, my friend, Kraftwerk. Oh, really? They're getting in, huh? They're getting in as early influence, along with Charlie Patton and uh, and legendary jazz poet Gil Scott Heron, who cool. uh, I totally think uh, Wyatt Cenac should play in a biopic. Oh yeah, you mean a biopic? In a biopic. I think Wyatt would crush that role. Sure. And I think I've even told him that. Oh, yeah? What was his response? I don't think I've told him that because he would probably be like, I don't need career advice from you, buddy. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Zip it. That's what Wyatt's Uh, famous for saying. (laughs) Musical Excellent Award this year is LL Cool J, Billy Preston, and Randy Rhodes. Not bad. Okay. Ozzy's not even in there. And then uh, Clarence Avant is getting the Ahmet Erdogan Award, and I don't know who that is, and I feel like I should. I don't either. So, so Chuck, they have um, Purple Haze lyrics. I think we've established that multiple times. What else do they have at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that would be worth paying $30 to go see? Uh, by the way, Clarence uh, Avant is known as the Black Godfather, entrepreneur, executive, and film producer, and American music executive, so... Very nice. Got to shout him out. Uh, you know they got they got the instruments. They got the out. They got a whole room of of clothing, and legendary outfits. Uh, they have the handwritten lyrics. They have 
archival uh, like original master tapes were in listening rooms. They have this really cool thing now that just opened a couple of years ago called the garage, mm-hmm. where it's literally like a garage set up with a full band. And you can go in there. You don't have to know what you're doing. And they'll try and teach you how to play instruments. That's so cool. You like, just want to wash your hands afterwards. Yeah. Well, you do now for sure. And you're like, or always. Um, and, you know, they have a great music education program with working with the schools in Ohio mm-hmm. and in Cleveland. So, like, like, they do a lot of cool outreach and hands-on stuff to get people involved. And if you go to the garage, uh, the website for the garage, and you see, like, these, you know – Sort of people who can tell have never picked up an instrument before playing the drums or playing the bass just a little bit and like the delight on their faces. It's pretty cool. That's where the museum staff who've transgressed are punished. They have to go hang out at the garage (laughs) and watch that. Oh, you get this. No, they're teaching them. They're teachers. Sure. (laughs) I got, well, the only other thing I want to point out is the, uh, if you're looking for highlights, Mm -hmm. From over the years, they you know in the end they had this all star jam, where a bunch of people come on stage and play some songs, mm-hmm. and I think probably the most legendary moment that's ever happened, and it was passed along uh, more recently after his death was at George Harrison's uh, posthumous induction mm-hmm. and all star jam they were playing while my guitar gently weeps and Prince comes out of the shadows and destroys the stage with a guitar solo that like is unlike anything I've ever seen. Oh, it's to an amazing check that clip. one out for sure. And uh, he's just the coolest dude on the planet. He finishes his solo, mm-hmm. takes his guitar up and throws it up in the air. And there's, uh, you don't know this, but his guy is out there to catch the guitar. But And he struts off stage and Tom Petty and Jeff Leonard just standing there like, and Danny Harrison like, oh my God, what just happened? <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. It's amazing. Um, so one, one last thing, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame tried to expand. They finally tried to open something in New York, and they did uh, in, I think, um, 2008. Yes. So they finally got that New York outpost, right, Chuck? And then within two years, it was closed. And they tried another one in Tokyo in 2017. It closed in five months later. And Dave Ruse nails it with this last line, I guess Cleveland really was the right choice after all. (laughs) Wink emoji. Yeah, I mean, they need to keep expanding Cleveland because you've only got so much space, you know? Yeah, for sure. But I mean, like, it's that was the place to do it. It turns out that that was absolutely correct. So that's good. Sometimes big decisions don't always work out, and this was one that did. And by God, God bless you, Cleveland. We got to get Jane's addiction in there. Sure. I think we also really even more so maybe need to get like Iron Maiden in there or Judas Priest or both. James was nominated once uh, and didn't get in. Uh, War has been nominated three times and hasn't gotten in. I think that's – or no, 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 no. Sheik has been nominated 11 times and hasn't gotten in. Just because it's disco, that is ridiculous. I saw – I read an article making the case for Weird Al – but then also saying why Weird Al will never make it in because he makes Weird fun Al of Weird Al has been uh, seventeen years uh, snubbed, never nominated. Hmm. Maybe someday Weird Al, but I also get the impression Weird Al doesn't care. Nah. Well, but maybe he does deep down. No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> um, since we said Weird Al doesn't care, obviously that means that it's time for listener mail. Uh, let me see here. Which one should I read? I'm going to call this Lemon Song. <laughs> um, 
Every morning as I get ready for work, guys, I like to throw in an episode of Stuff You Should Know, the excitement that came over me this morning when two of my favorite things briefly combined into one is indescribable. Josh's mix-up on the Lemon Song gave me a good chuckle, mm. only because Squeeze My Lemon is, of course, from the Lemon Song. And I could only guess that the song about friendship that he's speaking about is the song Friends <laughs> on Led Zeppelin 3. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Uh, as soon as I heard the beginning of the episode, I quickly sent, uh, quickly sent a text over to my dad. He's the reason I'm such a big Zeppelin fan. We both got matching Zeppelin tattoos <laughs> when I graduated from college, and I am the reason he is a Stuff You Should Know fan. While we don't live close, I'm in Denver and he's in Phoenix. A small moment like this is something that gave us both a good laugh and a reason to chat this morning. And that is from Lauren in Denver. Nice, Lauren. Thank you very much for that. We love bringing families together, don't we, Chuck? And splitting them apart in equal <laughs> fashion. Right. Oh, if you want to let us know how we brought your family together or split you asunder, uh, you can email it to us to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.